0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think most of us have had a sense for quite some time that we are in the midst of a new age of college football. Change is all around us, and Not all of us think all of the change is for the better, and this is maybe never more true than the news cycle we're kind of watching unfold here right now with sort of the late push by Nebraska for five-star quarterback, longtime uh, Georgia commit uh, Dylan Raiola, who spent his senior season at Buford High School, uh just a few miles down the road from Athens, Georgia. So let's talk about what we do know and then we'll see if we can kind of fill in the gaps of what we think all of this means here. For those of you who maybe missed the action last night or have kind of been you know just sort of depending on a show like this going to get you up to date on everything let's do our due diligence to do just that. We're gonna start here with Steve Wiltfong. Wiltfong is a longtime recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports probably one of the more famous I would say like national recruiting analysts from the standpoint of you know 24-7 Sports has what's known as their crystal balls. This is just a marketing, uh, I guess, uh, description for their online predictions. When a prediction is made, uh, they called it a crystal ball. And last night on Twitter, Wiltfong put this out. Let me read this to you here for a moment about what Steve Wiltfong from 24-7 Sports said, that he had flipped my 24-7 Sports crystal ball to Nebraska for five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola. When a guy like Wiltfong does that, That's obviously a really big deal. Now, I'm going to get to in a moment what it means that Wilt Fong did this via Twitter in such a public fashion. I think there's an element of that that's pretty important, but let me kind of work my way to get there by saying this. A lot of Georgia fans, when they hear something like this, maybe they only halfway follow recruiting or they're busy. It's Christmas time. You're trying to buy gifts, trying to do all that kind of stuff. You know, when you hear something like this going on, I think your first question is, is this real? Is this just rumor and innuendo? Is this just a way to kind of build interest for signing period, which begins next week or, you know, uh, subscriptions to websites, things like that is what's going on here. Is this real? Is this, is this matter of fact, is this to be taken at face value? And I can tell you that my interpretation of the news on this pretty quickly would be that yeah you ought to be able to take this at face value you ought to take this very very seriously a guy like Steve Wiltfong is probably not doing this in such a public manner unless he had very strong reason to believe that's the case and if there is any doubt whatsoever about the veracity of this claim keep in mind this that Dylan Raiola could end all of this right now by coming out and saying I don't know where this is coming from I mean let's keep this in mind when Fran Brown the former Georgia cornerbacks coach when he announced he was going to go to Syracuse I mean obviously the first question a lot of folks would have asked on a show like this is what does this mean for an elite cornerback commit to Georgia like Ellis Robinson Robinson pound for pound maybe the most prized of all of the Georgia 2024 commits and when his position coach leaves to go to Syracuse The first thought a lot of folks would have is, oh, gosh, does this put Robinson's future at Georgia jeopardy, especially given the fact that he took a relatively late visit in the process to Miami? And if there was ever a guy that might, you know, sort of conjure up a lot of NIL type deals, uh, you know, a guy like Robinson might do that. Many of you remember because we talked about this on the show. Ellis Robinson, in the midst of all that uncertainty that some fans had about his status as a Georgia commit, he stepped up right away and he gave that tweet that had the uh, dog emoji on it. And you know, a lot of us sort of speak social media now these days. And that was clearly an indication that, that Ellis Robinson had plans to stay at Georgia and the concerns that he might be looking around with Fran Brown being on the move. That tweet, as much of a confirmation as we can have here in 2024 that tweet, or X if you want to call that, uh, kind of served as our confirmation that Robinson had plans to stay at Georgia. He put those rumors to rest by coming out and giving you a relatively short brief social media post everyone knew how to interpret that so if we don't hear anything like this and I suspect we won't if we don't hear anything like that from Dylan Raiola over the course of the next 24 hours then all of a sudden you start taking this very very seriously and then indeed there is a very strong chance that Riola could be on the move going back to Nebraska the place that he does have long-standing family ties obviously we know his father Dominic Played at Nebraska. We know that his uncle is offensive line coach in Nebraska. And as many folks have kind of uh, pointed out, uh, Dylan's uncle just got a big raise to stay at Nebraska. I believe he was the only assistant coach that Matt Rule kept when Rule became a head coach there at Nebraska so you know all of a sudden these family connections become very real again and this becomes one of those things all of a sudden people are kind of remembering oh yeah he does have this tie and he does have that tie in the face of the news that kind of came out yesterday now the other interpretation that i think that you make on this is this is that it's fairly obvious that all of this is happening very very quickly not just because the Wilfong thing uh and I know that Chad Simmons had some reporting on this too, but the Wilp Fong thing kinda comes, you know, kinda completely out of nowhere. We can also trace this back to a couple of days ago. Do you remember when Georgia went in home with the five star athlete from Buford, K J Bolden? And, you know, you obviously get one in-home visit there, and Georgia using one there. Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart going to visit Bolden. Bolden, obviously a pretty high-profile recruit that got away from Georgia a few months ago when he went to Florida State. But clearly Georgia's still recruiting Bolden. The presence of the in-home visit kind of shows you that. And Dylan Riola who was a high school teammate of Bolden's this past year, was also on social media, you know, kind of encouraging K.J. Bolden to follow him to Georgia. So we would presume, uh, because it wouldn't make any sense for Riola to be you know, recruiting for Georgia like that publicly while he knew he was going to Nebraska. So whatever kind of has gone on here between Ryle and Nebraska has pretty clearly happened very late in the process. I mean, within the last couple of days, because it was only a couple of days ago that Dylan was out there on social media, very publicly being in favor of UGA, which would be a pretty strange thing for a guy to do if if he wasn't, at, and at the time if he knew, he wasn't planning on going to Georgia or even if he was considering not going to Georgia. That would be a pretty strange thing to do. So I think we're left to kind of connect the clues there on this and assume that all of this with Riola and Nebraska has happened very, very late, very, very quickly. And the other assumption we're going to make, and then we're going to kind of walk towards the finish line on this, the other assumption we're going to make is is that almost all of this chatter as it relates to Dylan and Nebraska because there're the kind of they're, they're kind of three camps here there's the Georgia camp there's the Riola family camp and there's the Nebraska camp in, in any kind of situation like this where a quarterback is perhaps leaving the current school to go to a new school there's sort of three different factions you could hear from you could hear from Georgia you could hear from the Riola camp itself or you could hear from Nebraska I think we can assume that the entirety of this news cycle is made up of not Riola sources or not Georgia sources. I think we can assume that almost the entirety of this news cycle is made up of Nebraska-based sources. And I'm gonna tell you why I think that's important. Let me show you this. First of all, this comes from Pete Thamel. This is a not a normal recruiting reporter. Thamel just sort of a basic news guy uh, for ESPN. But in light of kind of what came out with Steve Wiltfong and uh, uh, the, the the crystal ball pick for Nebraska on Dylan Raiola, you also yesterday had Pete Thamel coming out to say that Nebraska. Nebraska coaches have communicated with in-state quarterback commitment Daniel Kalen, that's the guy that was already committed to Nebraska, that they're again in contention for a commitment from top 10 recruit Dylan Riola, who is committed to UGA. Nebraska coaches have made clear that they would still honor Kalen's commitment. So, I'm going to read between the lines on what Thamel puts out there and say that what is getting in terms of what's going on there is coming from the Nebraska coaches themselves. They're saying to Thamel, hey, we've told this guy that all is good here. We're going to honor his uh, scholarship. Now, obviously, that doesn't probably make the quarterback in question here feel very loved. But nonetheless, that's that's what they're saying. Hey, we've told him we're going to honor his scholarship. We're doing this kind of by the book here. So it sort of reads between the lines to me that Thamel sources on this and the Nebraska coaches. So if the Nebraska coaches are talking to Pete Thamel, it sort of stands to reason they'd be talking to Steve Wilfong as well. Once again, I don't know this to be sure. Obviously, none of these guys reveal their sources i'm just talking about what kind of makes sort of common sense in all of this because keep in mind steve wilfong works for a subscription-based website you know this. This is one of those deals where you go to the pay behind the paywall to the message board or whatever else to sort of find out what's going on. The fact that Wilfong puts this out on Twitter for the entire world to see and not just the paying customers of twenty four seven Sports to see. Once again, you sort of take that as sort of a read between the lines of whoever gave this information to Wilfong wanted it to be public. They wanted it to be known the world over, and obviously, I think that sort of only benefits the Nebraska coaches here and to sort of further this point a little bit more let me show you this from a different company this is on three the guy we've talked about before Hayes Fawcett the sort of famous like graphic maker I guess you would call him uh you know artist uh, perhaps he would prefer to be known as Uh, he puts it out there that uh, five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola will take an official visit this weekend to Nebraska a source tells me so uh once again you've kind of got folks sort of saying here hey on behalf of you know kind of everything goes down perhaps from the nebraska side that we're in the market for we're in the market for riola we got a chance to do this uh so go out there publicly that we think we're going to flip him or you know uh you know let it be known this let it be known that it just sort of seems like a lot of the energy around all this is sort of coming from the Nebraska side. So if that is indeed true, which obviously we're kind of making some assumptions on, but if that were indeed true, the question you would ask yourself is, well, why does Nebraska want all of this to be so public? Because there was a day and age that if you were really – you know, making a move in recruiting. Remember the, uh, the the phrase you sometimes heard about. You know, like moving in silence. You know, what's the, the people say? Real G's moving in silence. Well, this is not Nebraska moving in silence. They pretty clearly are benefiting from something about this being very, very loud, very, very public. So why do they want the world to know? You know, oftentimes when Georgia's had visitors on campus, they've done everything they could to keep that secret. Uh, whether it's you know trying to attend a game without somebody being you know you know fully aware of that, or taking a visit without somebody being fully aware of that, why does Nebraska want all of this to be so public? Well, I think we can trace this back if you want to make the assumption here. Anyway, I think you can trace this back to something that Nebraska coach Matt Rule said uh, the other day. It got a lot of attention at the time, and I want to play it for you now. Now. I took this off of uh, one of the social media platforms. Somebody put a couple sound effects here on this. But nonetheless, uh, this is Matt Rule talking about the market for, he was describing at the time, transfer quarterbacks and how high dollar that market is if you want one of the best transfer quarterbacks. Was this at the time Matt Rule planting a seed for what his program wants to do now when it comes to Dylan Raiola? Take a listen to this. Make no mistake that a, a good quarterback in the portal costs you know a million to a million five to two million dollars right now. So just 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 want the same page, right? So um, <laughs> let's make sure we all understand what's happening. So um, um, you know, there's some teams that have six six or seven million dollar players playing for them. So that's Matt Rule saying, hey, if you want one of the best quarterbacks right now, you got to go out and spend a million or a million and a half or two million dollars on that quarterback. Now it's fair to point out that a lot of people. Uh, at the time that, that, that rule said that, so that's probably still an exaggeration. We're obviously in a day and age in which, you know, top players are you know certainly you know demanding you know big dollar sums, and many of them are getting big dollar sums. But there's an aspect of what Rule said there that I think plugged in source within the sport are saying is probably still a little bit of an exaggeration, but nonetheless, this is Rule out there just seemingly sort of speaking off the cuff of Hey, you want a great quarterback? That's a seven figure proposition. That may be multiples of millions of dollars worth of a proposition if you want to be able to do that. So here's how I connect the dots on this, and perhaps this is this is not true but here's how i connect the dots in all of this it certainly seems like to me that nebraska wanted as much public chatter out there as possible about the fact they were going to get a chance to host dylan Riola on an official visit with the idea that if, if they can raise enough money uh from some of the boosters and nebraska by the way is a very large fan base with a lot of boosters nebraska's sort of been thought to be a pretty significant player in the nil space they don't have much to sell in terms of recent football success you got to go back to the 1990s to find Nebraska being very good. It's obviously a freezing cold place to live, not the most exciting community necessarily. But they do have a big fan base. They are starved for winning, and they have a chance to raise a lot of NIL dollars. This has been true for Nebraska for quite some time. It's one of the reasons why a guy like Matt Rule would have taken that job, because there is an NIL base in place. And I believe what Nebraska is trying to do right now by making all of this very public, uh, you know, open public prediction on the part of Steve Wiltfong, information about how they're going about all of this, including getting, uh, uh, you know, you know, Riola on campus here this weekend. This is all in an attempt to create a very large NIL package, raise the money, perhaps they've insinuated as a possibility here, spending big on the hopes they can take Riola away from George. And if we look at, you know, previous you know, recent history for George on some of this kind of stuff, if the offer from Nebraska is big enough, the odds are Georgia will not match that because that's just not quite the way that Georgia has gone about its business in this space in the past. Georgia believes they have a good quarterback already committed in this class, and I think by now he's essentially a signee. When it comes to uh, you know Ryan Puglisi, Georgia's obviously had back-to-back national championship success. As a program, they are not nearly as desperate as perhaps Nebraska is for that level of success. What should Georgia do as it relates to Dylan Raiola? Different people probably have different opinions, but it certainly seems like all of this being done by Nebraska in a very public way to raise a lot of dollars in the hopes they can buy Dylan from Georgia here late in the process. Now, I think this tells us a lot about kind of where things stand with college football, what this means, I think, in terms of our I guess, understanding of Raiola in particular, and it also starts a conversation about what about Carson Beck and his future there at Georgia? There are a lot of big questions that get asked on, I guess, the other side of the idea that Nebraska is trying to use a big NIL offer to kind of wrestle Raiola away. And so on all of that, in terms of exactly how Georgia fans are supposed to feel about this, I want to keep that conversation going. But first, let me take some time to introduce our show. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Happy to have you with us. All video platforms, of course, we start 10 a.m., 9.45, 1st and 15. there on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, radio, app and sports radio 960, the ref, podcast, all the podcast platforms there as well. Just happy to have you with us, no matter which platform you choose to use. Big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia who make it all possible for you there as well. Foundation, waterproofing problems, Obviously, that's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia lives to solve for you. And one of the things I hope that my words throughout the years have reminded you of is that there are some signs here that ought to trigger in your head, oh yeah, BA said ESOG when I see an issue like this. I'm talking about water creeping in where it's not supposed to be. Wet spots in the basement, crawl space, garage. All of those issues can be signs of a bigger problem. And when you see that, I want you to think about Engineered Solutions of Georgia or those cracks, walls, you know, certainly easy to notice that if it's the basement floor, but also if there's like a horizontal crack in the sheetrock or if there's one of those sort of stair-step cracks, the thing that goes down and over, down and over, down and over on the brick on the outside of your house. Once again, that ought to be a trigger to you, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, because they are your solution for foundation waterproofing issues. In fact, the word solution is right there in their name. They exist to solve these kind of problems for you. Simple problems, big problems, everything else in between. They're also proud partners of UGA there as well. It's always fun to do business with those who support UGA. Clearly, that's what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. Longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily, there as well, including again for 2024 too. We're very, very excited about all of that with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff. There's nobody else in our marketplace that puts that level of support towards your problem like our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia uh, are able to do. So give them a call. The phone number very easy to remember. Simply dial six seven eight E S O G now. That's six seven eight E S O G now engineered solutions of georgia a solution to your foundation and waterproofing issues proud partners of uga longtime friends of ours here on dog nation daily we're going to get connor riley here coming up in just a moment uh, and we'll talk to connor his perspective on a lot of this he's written some good stuff already about this there at DogNation.com. but for now let's go around the doghouse as a lead in to all of that and you know here's what i'm going to tell you which is i know there's a temptation on the part of a lot of georgia fans to say well, you just got to pay Dylan Riola whatever you whatever he wants. You can't lose a recruit, you know, this late in the process. Uh, Nebraska, if this is an NIL thing, then Georgia's got to just sort of dig deep and, and go to some of their money-back boosters and say, hey, we need you to sort of reach down and, and sort of give more money because we got to win this riola R- R- recruiting battle. And I certainly understand where that comes from, and I think we all have to kind of make peace with the idea that the recruiting process – Is probably changed forever when it comes to the sort of premium positions. Quarterback, those that protect quarterback, like offensive tackles, those that receive the football from quarterback, like wide receivers, those that get after quarterbacks, like edge rushers, and those that defend the pass from quarterbacks, like cornerbacks. You know, there are some, I think, understood premium positions, and moving forward, the NIL stuff is just going to be a factor in this recruitment. And while it's great to have principles of, well, we reserve our NIL funds for the players who've been here and earned it and whatever, whatever, that, that's great. There's also a degree to which reality has to be confronted on its terms. And while it's great to have principles, it's also a requirement to have the kind of elite talent that keeps you in the national championship business. And it is probably true to a degree here that, that Georgia is going to, I would assume anyway, in the future have to embrace some of the reality around NIL in a way that to this point they haven't really had to do because they've had the deep and talented roster. They were kind of in the uh, driver's seat position because of the success they were having on the field. But as you start thinking about transitioning to future years, you know, kind of playing in the space based on the rules that have been established, that's going to probably be just as true for Georgia as it is for anybody else. They may be in a position right now where they can you know, not get into the bidding war over Raiola. And perhaps that makes some sense to do because, you know, I don't know that anybody is – I can't miss prospect Raiola included. I mean, you know, I I think that we've said now many times that on a, uh, you know, a future Georgia quarterback situation, you know, well, I think that Riola would have a very good chance to win, you know, and become an eventual starting quarterback at Georgia. Much the same way a guy like Carson Beck used his experience to win that job this year. By the way, more on Beck here in a moment. Uh, much the way a guy like that used his experience to win the job this year, I would trust someone like Gunnar Stockton, who's been in the program for quite some time, that if it was a Stockton versus Ryola battle, you've heard me say this before, wasn't obvious to me that, that Dylan Riola would be a huge favorite to win that battle, given the way in which experiences seem to matter when it comes to success there at Georgia. So while it's probably true that eventually Georgia is going to have to be more aggressive for the kind of premium positions and recruiting to keep pace. But those who are willing to do that, you know, maybe right now spending an outsized portion of its NIL budget, if you want to call it that, on a guy like Raola. Maybe that doesn't make as much sense for UGA here right now, that if can, previous history is our guide, that that Georgia probably will not quite – Go to the eleventh hour in a negotiation. If Nebraska is driving up the price based on its current actions right now, then George would probably take a step back. I think that's what you would left be left to conclude. That's kind of perhaps the way that's you know done here right now. And in terms of you know how you interpret and how you make sense of all of this, here's what I say about Dylan Raiola: that it is certainly understandable if he indeed does make this move. It is certainly understandable why someone like this would make this decision. If it's more money, if it's if it's more, whatever, well, it's easy for all of us to assume in that same spot we would make the same decision. It is clearly understandable. But it's also important to point out here that not everything that's understandable is also honorable. And I would say that after, you know, coming every Georgia game and uh, you know being a big part of the ongoing conversation with UGA recruits. We know a lot of recruits have sort of visited Riola for Buford Games, things like that you know, this late in the process, presumably without a whole lot of contact uh, with anybody else involved here to make this sort of 11th hour decision to kind of do an about face and all of that. It may be understandable if he's getting a big payday for doing it. But if he does this, I don't believe that's particularly honorable. I don't uh, have a problem sort of saying that out loud. You know, I'm not sure I'd make a different decision. In fact, I'm probably sure I'd make the very same decision. But just because it's a common decision, easy for anyone to make, uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily a laudable decision, I would say, in this particular case. That's probably what's true here. I think it's also a reminder for all of us that kind of care about Georgia football and care about these kinds of things, and this has sort of been true forever, that it's fun to follow recruiting. It's obviously important to understand recruiting as the lifeblood for what makes a team you know, kind of on the championship level, but, you know, kind of getting too enamored with any individual recruit is probably always a mistake because of the way in which that these decisions can sometimes be fickle. So following recruiting, I think, is a necessity if you want to understand what's truly going on in college football. But following a recruit and putting a whole lot of your sort of vested interest in a fan in any one recruit, that's probably never a very wise thing to do, whether you're talking about the 2024 recruiting class or any class that kind of came before all of that. Probably kind of, you know, important to give yourself a reminder on that perhaps one more time. Now, last thing, then we're going to bring on Connor Riley. Fair to wonder, what does all of this mean for Carson Beck, And is it perhaps true – that the chatter that's been out there of well Brock Vandergrift leaving and going to Kentucky, that's a hint that Carson Beck is returning and Dylan Riola flirting with Nebraska, that's a hint that Carson Beck is returning. I would say that conventional wisdom would lead us to believe of course that's true. You know almost everything that we've heard um, as of late would seem to reinforce the idea that Beck is probably coming back. That that Vandergrift left, that Riola's looking around. Uh, Jeff Sintell had some reporting at Dog Nation yesterday that that Carson participated in bowl practices that have started up for Georgia, getting ready for the uh, Orange Bowl against Florida State. The guy that was leaving may not be, you know, doing something like that right now. That might be a, a different kind of decision. If you're truly going to the NFL, you know, playing in this Orange Bowl, perhaps that's something that 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 Carson back might not do. Um, so there is certainly plenty of circumstantial evidence right now that would lead you to believe that Carson Beck is probably returning but I want to be very honest about this I began the show today by saying hey the fact that Dylan Riola isn't putting all these rumors to bed is perhaps an indication that there's some truth to these rumors that if Riola wanted to let everybody know that no, I'm not going to Nebraska it's freezing cold in Nebraska I had every chance to go to Nebraska prior to coming to Georgia uh no I'm not doing that if he wanted to do that it'd be very easy for him to do that the fact that he's not and that kind of tells you something I would say perhaps there is a similar thing that could also be true for Carson Beck here, that if Carson Beck really is ready to run it back, as we've always liked to say for the 2024 season, right now would be a great time to say that. You know, If Beck is really coming back, if Beck is ready to go for 2024, if Georgia's got its starting quarterback figured out for this upcoming year and then after that we'll kind of figure out you know backups and future you know quarterback hierarchy after that, then right now is a very good time to make that announcement. And if that announcement doesn't come sometime in the next couple of days here, then I think you're led to con- you know left to conclude that not that it means he's definitely leaving, but it kind of gives credence to the idea of what some sources also told Jeff Sintel yesterday, that as of right now, Beck really doesn't know what he's going to do. And that he really is still contemplating the idea that he's a high enough draft pick in the 2024 draft to warrant leaving. So Just sort of keep that in mind when it comes to kind of following the news and paying attention to what's going on. What is said is really important, but sometimes it's equally important to listen to the dog that isn't barking. And if we go a few days without hearing anything definitive from Carson Beck, then I'd say as a Georgia fan, that might be reason to get a little bit anxious about what the eventual decision might end up being. My assumption is Beck will probably stay for 2024 and that Georgia will go on to have a great season with him and the future quarterback decisions of is it Gunnar Stockton is it Ryan Puglisi is it perhaps Dylan Raiola who changes his mind the 11th hour just try to decide to stay at Georgia that all of that is some sort of future decision to be worried about in some future year that we are kind of in the win now era of college football that it's all about what can I do to get my team ready for this upcoming season and we'll let the future sort of take care of itself if that be the case, if that's what we're really heading towards, and I think fans are pretty comfortable with that conversation already as it is. So a lot of the energy now for Georgia is going to center around what Carson Beck eventually announces. Obviously, Georgia fans hope that he stays. Georgia fans hope that he's here for 2024. And the Beck decision, whenever it comes, is obviously more important, we would believe, than almost anything Dylan Riola is going to say in future days there as well so we'll follow both stories we'll see where they go we'll call that around the doghouse here today on dog nation daily presented by engineered Solutions of george now before we're done for the people who say well you know clearly you know uh Dylan Riola doesn't want to stay at Georgia if he thinks Carson Beck is coming back because that ruins his opportunity to kind of perhaps step in as sort of a day one starter uh, or at least a uh, first year starter there at UGA that, from a conventional wisdom standpoint, almost seems like it could be true, but there's also an aspect of the story there in Nebraska that many of you are perhaps aware of that kind of causes you to wonder, well, how true is that really based on some other news that's out there related to the Huskers? We'll get to that before we're done on the show, but for now, the rest of the information related to what really is going on with Dylan Riola and kind of where all this is going from here, let's bring on Connor Riley today as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. <music> From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, let's bring on Connor Riley here. A lot to talk about. Connor's written plenty. I guess, Connor, let me work backwards here, and then we'll kind of get to all of this. What I just said a moment ago is is that obviously the Dylan Riola rumors and reports that are out there you know, seem to be in some way connected to whatever Carson Beck's going to do because of the same position, if nothing else. And so what I said is, hey, if Carson Beck really is coming back to Georgia, then, boy, I tell you, right now would be a really good time to announce that. So do we read something into this if we go a few more days without Carson saying something about his status for 2024? Is that dog that wouldn't be barking there perhaps telling for Georgia if it does stretch on that long?
1: No to me because – and I actually think this is kind of similar to – the Brock Vandegrift situation where he announces he's going into portal and then ultimately ends up at Kentucky. A lot of people at the time thought that that was in connection to Carson Beck electing to come back another year. When in reality, I think these are two independent things of each other at this point in time. Um, I think that with, with Carson, he's going to make his own decision. He's still weighing his options. Uh, I'll note Right now, I, I, I don't really see him as a first-round quarterback prospect. Maybe some teams do. It only takes one, obviously. But, you know, uh, and there's an ESPN mock draft article out today. Caleb Williams and Drake may go one-two. Jaden uh, Daniels is a first-round quarterback, and I think he has clearly elevated himself above both back in that pecking order. And, and then, you know, you have that next sort of tier with guys like J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, and Carson Beck. And one thing to keep in mind with Carson – He's got about 250 fewer pass attempts than J.J. McCarthy, who has the next fewest amount of pass attempts. Like He's just so much more of an unknown in that standpoint. And so I think he this is a, a difficult decision for him because I absolutely do believe, and I believe Carson believes this as well, he has NFL-level tools. But the big thing missing from him, especially in comparison to other players out there, is just the experience factor. You know, uh, Bo Nix, six-year starter, uh, Michael Penix, Started over the course of six years. Even McCarthy is a guy who played a big role on that 2021 Michigan team that went to the college football playoff. This is really Beck's only first year as a starter here. And in turn, going to the Rayola news, based on my sort of read of this, I I think that, you know, while yes, I, I do think the fact that Georgia maybe said what their options would be in the event that Carson Beck does elect to go pro. I think there are a lot of other factors around this that is leading Rayola to ultimately, I believe, end up at Nebraska this
0: time around. So I want to talk about all of that here coming up in a moment. Let me give you, I guess, one more question on Beck kind of before we get there. I try to talk to people who know more about this kind of stuff than I do, which sometimes is not very hard to find. Plenty of people certainly do. And in talking to people who kind of knew more about Beck than me over the course of the last few months, let me tell you what I kind of heard kind of piecing this together and I want you to tell me how true you think this is at one point in time you go back a few months ago you talk to people you know you think Carson Beck might come back for 2024 what I had sort of heard at the time was no Beck is just ready you know he's just been in college now for a long time he's just sort of anxious to go into the NFL sort of try his hand at the league and then he started playing so well that all of a sudden how he was being evaluated by draft scouts seemingly started to matter more because all of a sudden now he's playing well enough that he's on the radar in a way that he just wasn't when this year began. You know, Beck was not on anybody's radar for the most part in terms of NFL draft future. I would say when this year began, a guy that would have been drafted, of course, but not a guy that, you know, would have, you know, certainly no one was talking very much about Carson Beck when the season began. But when you're playing the way that Carson mostly played this year, all of a sudden you are in a little bit of a different NFL draft co- conversation. And all of a sudden To me, it seems like because Beck has played well enough to get some attention, the idea that coming back for another year and getting even more attention, that seems like more of a real possibility. Is that sort of the sense that you got, that as Beck has played better, he sort of realizes that, hey, the more I do play better, the more my draft stock may come up? And all of a sudden, a guy who at one point in time, there were some whispers, maybe he doesn't want to come back you know, now there's some whispers, actually, he might really want to come back because of what he could be in 2025 if he did. Is that sort of the read that you get on that situation?
1: I, I don't think it's outrageous for Carson Beck to be the number one overall pick in the 2025 NFL draft. Now, Obviously, a lot has to go right between now and then, but I, I think if, if he continues to get better, and it is in my opinion, clearly a weaker quarterback class next year than it is this year. Not just at the top, you know, the obvious names. There's no obvious 2025 guy there. Even some of the other guys that are being mentioned along with that already have some questions. You know, Shador Sanders, who mm-hmm. some potentially see the first-round pick this year, but it seems pretty clear he's going to come back to Colorado next year. You know, Colorado is a very difficult situation to address to assess, in my opinion, because of just, the offense the way that changed this year and how poor his offensive line was the other guy Quinn Ewers a guy that's battled injury a guy that has been up and down over the course of his college career and you know you look at you know past players that come from that Steve Sarkeesian offense they haven't exactly had the easiest transition into the NFL and so I think you know Beck has a real chance next year to play himself into a, a, a no-doubt-about-it first-run pick, something he is not right now, in my opinion. And so, yeah, the offense, like, he's going to be tasked to do more next year, and there are pros and cons that come with that. But I think if Carson is willing to bet on himself big in a way to where, you know, the payoff could be not just winning a national championship as a starting quarterback, but also the, you know, $30 million that come from being a a second, third, fourth round pick compared to what you get at being at the top of the NFL draft. So I do think that as he played better, you know, there was always it was always it was always going to be an impossibility for Carson Beck to really be a top of the line first round quarterback this year because he wasn't going to have the snaps and you already had two really established prospects in Caleb Williams and Drake May. There aren't those same level of established prospects next year, and Carson Beck actually could go on to become that guy. I think if he elects to come back and make continues to make strides that at times, we saw him make this year.
0: All right. So moving on to Dylan Riley here for a moment. When you look at the timeline, you know, just a few days ago, Dylan was at least on social media doing some sort of rah-rahing for Georgia as it related to uh, KJ Bolden's recruitment. You know. at least making some sort of public statements in favor of UGA there and all of that I think it becomes somewhat easy to assume then that whatever like lack of certainty has existed around Ryola's future with the dogs has only been within the last couple of days and when you look at the way the 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 news cycle kind of unfolded a lot of this seeming to come from the Nebraska side on all of this I sort of read this as all of this has changed because at the very end of the process here Nebraska seemingly has gotten very aggressive in trying to raise a whole bunch of money to essentially buy Dylan away from UGA. Is that kind of the read that you get on this too?
1: Not just Dylan. Uh, you know, his his uncle Donovan Rayola yeah. is the offensive line coach in Nebraska. He very recently got a new raise um, in, in his job there. And you know, Nebraska went five and seven this year. It's not like you know there was a whole lot to celebrate there. Uh, you know, when it comes to Rayola, I, you can tell yourself that Georgia's going to try and retain him. I do believe they're going to try and do that because they do believe in the talent. But let's just look at some facts here. Uh, Dylan Rayola was expected to enroll and be at Georgia Bowl practice on Saturday. There are going to be other 2024 signees in Athens, you know, getting acclimated. Uh, Ryan Puglisi is expected to be one of them. Rayola was expected to be in Athens this weekend. Will now be taking an official visit to Nebraska uh, this weekend. I, I think that speaks a lot to the way and where this thing is trending. And as you, I, I think, point out, on Thursday he was at, he was with KJ Bolden with the Georgia coaches trying to recruit him. Uh, by Monday evening, it, it became sort of clear that he was going to probably end up at Nebraska. So something over the course of this weekend has, I think, clearly impacted the way Rayola has viewed his college decision there and look like he just means probably more Nebraska than he does in Georgia. Georgia has been a program that has built itself on not being reliant on a quarterback to win. I think that was true in 2021 and 2022 and even at times this year in 2023 under Carson Beck. You know, Georgia doesn't want to put everything on the shoulders of the quarterback. Uh, since 2016, that was Kirby Smart's first year at Georgia. He has won two national championships. Nebraska has one winning season in that time uh it it just you know not to not to use the stupid sec cliche it just means more to nebraska to have dylan rayola than it does to georgia and so i think you clearly see nebraska saying hey we're going to throw everything we have at this and try and make an impact and try and land him and because of some uncertainty at the georgia quarterback position right now in the future and, and i think it's fair to say there is some uncertainty we still don't know what carson beck is going to do I think Nebraska has capitalized on that and made it very big and what I think will ultimately be a very successful push to land uh, the five-star quarterback.
0: So I want to talk about what this means for fans, and then I'm going to talk about what this means for Georgia perhaps going forward. On the fan part of this, Connor, we don't trash really any players, whether they play for Georgia or play for anybody else, but that's just not really what we do around here. We're a little bit harder on coaches because we just sort of think of them as full-fledged adults, players we're pretty light touch with for the most part. And Dylan Raiola, that's going to be true there as well. However, I will say that while I think it's very understandable if they're offering you tons of money, more money than Georgia's offering, it's very understandable why you would take that. Perhaps in the same situation, we would all do the the exact same thing. That's what makes it understandable. But just because it's understandable doesn't mean it's honorable. And, you know, this late, after spending an entire year on campus, coming to every Georgia game, you know, being in regular conversation with Georgia recruits, you know, to do something like this right before you're supposed to go to Georgia. I would say that Connor fans are within their rights not to like that. I don't think they should trash Raiola on social media or trash him anywhere. I I, I think there's a, a way to behave even when you're unhappy. But I think fans are within their rights here to say, this ain't it. This is not how business ought to be conducted, even if the business of, you know, making money for yourself is somewhat understandable. There's still a way to do things. This doesn't quite feel like the way that things ought to be done.
1: And it's been weird, you know. Uh, the last three Ohio State quarterbacks have been first-round picks. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, T.J. Stroud. Rayola commits to go there and then ultimately backs off for reasons that were kind of murky and, and then, you know, commits to Georgia, you know, two-time defending national champion, uh, a place where you can go and win and, you know, along the way get developed into an NFL-level quarterback. Justin Bennett was drafted in the fourth round last year. Carson Beck looks to have been developed into an NFL-level quarterback. You're playing against NFL guys every day in practice and then at the 11th hour you sort of back off that commitment there uh he is someone who bounced around at different high schools moved across the country to be closer to georgia but then as you point out at the 11th hour and an incredibly curiously timed instagram post that he shared last night thanking everyone for his time at buford the whole six months that he had spent there right the, the whole thing is just, it, it, it's a very strange recruitment, and, and look, and some of this I, I think falls at the feet of the adults around Dylan more so than yeah. him himself, you know, we're all products of our environment here, and, and I think to a certain aspect, uh, Rayola, the adults around Rayola have sort of led him into this predicament where, fairly or not, he is getting hate on social media, and I don't believe you should ever be tweeting at 17, 18-year-old recruits about where they think they should go to college, but... The adults, as you pointed out, and you sort of let on in discussing how we talk about you know kids, athletes, you know college football players on the show. The adults around Dylan Rayola, I think, in some regard, have failed him here. And if you know Nebraska, it, 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 you know Dylan Rayola's dad is a Nebraska legend, uh, longtime NFL player Dominic Rayola. If he knew that he always wanted his kid to go to Nebraska, you probably should have just let him there in the first place. And obviously, you want to let Dylan make his own decision, but you know at this stage at this hour is that really what's being what's going on I, again you know as as is often the case in some of these recruitments the more high profile they are sometimes the adults get in the way of the kids and the kids fairly or not end up getting a lot of the backlash there
0: let me squeeze in one more thing on the dylan part of this before i talk more broadly about the georgia part of this And this is kind of a dumb thing to say maybe but it's one of the things that kind of pops in my mind um When you looked at Dylan while he was in Athens for games here this year, boy, from a body language standpoint, you never could have predicted something like this was coming. And I'll make the comparison to a couple of times when, like, say, Julian Juju Lewis was on campus. This is not a criticism of Lewis, but – He sort of behaved like you would sort of expect a five-star quarterback to behave, kind of too cool for school, sort of like all of this was kind of unimpressive to him that he was just sort of there, kind of poker face, not really revealing much in the way of emotions about any of that kind of stuff, sort of acting like a sort of a quarterback with some swagger would probably act like. I never saw a ton of that from Dylan. You know, Dylan kind of acted like a Georgia fan. When the players would come out of the tunnel to come onto the field, Dylan would stand up and sort of stand there on the aisle and watch them run out. I I noticed that a few times. And body language oftentimes is kind of, I guess, misleading here. But, boy, in terms of the kind of way that you would expect a quarterback capable of making such a late decision like this, perhaps, to make, that's not really the body language I ever got from Dylan. I don't know how much you ever even watched him there on campus, but – I saw a guy who sort of looked like he was having the time of his life. I, I guess that just goes to show you how misleading some of that kind of stuff can sometimes be.
1: Right, and well, I think it's important to point out here once again, you know, the high school senior, like he can very understandably get caught up in the moment and, and the rush and euphoria that comes with sitting front row at a Georgia game and seeing Georgia go through the season that they had there. And then you can also sort of understand at the 11th hour him making an emotional decision, you know, based on what a, a transfer portal quarterback Georgia might go out and pursue. So I, I understand all of it. And I, I actually think the, the point you make right there about his emotion and his body language that he showed on the sideline, I think sort of shows just how quickly this has all sort of come about to where a guy who seemed very enthusiastic and excited to come to Georgia, and, and Dylan himself has said as much, uh, at the 11th hour, it seems pretty clear he's going to start his college career somewhere else.
0: Yeah, it's really wild. All right, so let me finish with the Georgia part of this. And, Connor, it sort of feels like you have to have, like, the caveat to this discussion of Kirby Smart has figured out everything thrown at him since, since being Georgia coach, and there's no coach I would trust to put, like, the energy and wits towards solving complicated problems more so than Kirby Smart. He really is best positioned to figure all of this stuff out of anybody in college football. But it does sort of seem like there's a little bit of a, perhaps crossroads taking place here of the fact that Georgia has really stood on principle of there's a certain way we want to use NIL there's certain ways in which we don't want to use NIL and I think that Georgia has been able to remain principles intact here in the early days of the NIL era but Connor elite talent especially at the premium positions is a requisite for success And I don't know that if Georgia is going to be able to kind of hold on to the same principles it has had of, oh, we don't lead with NIL when it comes to a recruiting pitch or even a transfer pitch. We're not leading with NIL in that particular situation. I don't know that that philosophy is going to survive the age in which we're currently living that Georgia, even with two national championships and even with the prestige of the program, is going to probably have to be in the same auction house as everybody else is if it wants the elite players, especially at premium positions going forward. What do you think about that?
1: Well, and that's not – and I agree with you. And it's not to say that they aren't aggressive in certain positions, but I'll go even a step further here. Look, Georgia's wide receiver recruiting – Uh, is not in a good place right now. And and I don't know how much that falls on Brian McClendon. I don't know how much it falls on Kirby Smart, but it was a really deep wide receiver class this year in terms of guys You could have gone out and got a lot of talented players. And, you know, I think Sakobi White and Nitro Tuggle can be very good, productive players at Georgia. But, you know, you look at some of the other names out there that at various times Georgia was in on, and they just ultimately end up not getting And You go out and look. The teams that have beaten Georgia even say, how have they done it? with great wide receiver play. Isaiah Bond made some great plays in that Alabama game. Jermaine Burton, and I'm not putting him in the same class as some of the other ones, but he goes out and makes some big plays in that win over Georgia. Obviously, Jameson Williams, John Mechie come to mind from previous Georgia losses. You think Marvin Harrison from the Ohio State game a season ago. You, If you were going to as you know, stand on principle, stand on business, the popular thing today, sure. what you run the risk of doing is standing a lot closer to what Clemson is right now than some of the other elite programs out there, I think Clemson finds themselves where they clearly have made a miscalculation in how they have been running their program in recent years, as they as they have taken a step back in an incredibly weak division, in conference, no less. You know, it's not like you know Clemson is playing an SEC level schedule. They're going out and losing four games in the ACC, uh, program which, as you pointed out last week, or a conference as you pointed out last week. Wasn't good enough to get into the college football playoff, and the undefeated conference champion that had two wins over SEC programs. So, I think if you're Georgia here, look, Kirby Smart has always been very adaptable. He's always been very flexible. I'll be interested in seeing how flexible he is moving forward, because you know, while yes, wide receiver is a position where you can get you know production out of the transfer portal. It seems like they're going to get some more out of there this year. I think it also really, really helps to be able to land those guys as high school recruits too, and can have them come in and develop from day one. You look at the success that has had with guys like Dylan Bell, Ladd, McConkey. Uh, you know, while yes, you're able to pull guys out of the portal, it does take them some time, I think, to adjust to what you're doing. Whereas if you're bringing them in as freshmen right away, I think there's a, a you know an easier way to sort of pick things up and go about their business there. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the wide receiver position, you can put the quarterback spot in there as well. Uh, I'll be very interested in seeing what Georgia does going forward.
0: Anything else you want to leave with with this on, Connor? Kind of a final thought here of perhaps anything that hasn't been said to this point? Uh,
1: I I think it's important to keep in mind. And and I, I will say, I feel like there's a lot of straw men out there that are you know, maybe complaining about the way that fans are reacting. I would say for, by and large... This is actually a pretty measured response from yeah. Georgia fans that I have seen thus far. It's not doom and gloom. It's certainly not what it would have been in, say, like, 2018, 2019, you think, with Justin Fields transferred out of the program. Uh, Kirby Smart has had – I'm doing the math off the top of my head here, and I I'm doing math. It's, it's a dangerous game. Kirby Smart has had four five-star quarterbacks uh, play for him in his time at Georgia. I believe of the 92 games that he has won as a head coach, those five-star quarterbacks have started in one. I think 14 games, uh, 15 games rather. Uh, This is not a program built on five-star quarterbacks. Every one of those five-star quarterbacks ended up finishing their college career elsewhere. Uh, I understand that Rayola is a very hyped and very talented prospect and could lead Nebraska to great success. Success it has been missing for the better part of a decade. Um, Georgia in the long run is probably going to be just fine. Now, like again, you know, getting into the playoff every year, being a top twelve team or being a national championship team—that's a very fine line that Georgia has to try and walk and get to. But for the most part, missing out on Dylan Rayle as I expect them to, is not going to take Georgia from a championship contender to Clemson overnight.
0: Connor, really good stuff. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, we'll look forward to reading. I thought your piece this morning on uh, you know, kind of the sort of parallel i guess the intersection of the back news and the railing news very very good so we'll keep reading that from you there at dognation.com and uh, we'll chat here uh, back on this show again very soon there as well thanks for being here today
1: yep as always it's a pleasure
0: let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through so interesting stuff there from connor riley on that and i totally agree I, I haven't really seen anything from georgia fans and obviously i follow this stuff pretty closely i would say i'm a. You know, pretty significant lurker, if that's the right word to use here, of the online Georgia conversation. We want this to be a fan oriented show. So, understanding what fans are saying at any point in time is, you know, kind of what I want to do. And so, I think the responses you're seeing from Georgia right now are not hysterical. They're not, you know, out of bounds. They are, I think, asking important questions of, What's happening to the sport that I have loved? I think that's a fair question to ask, and I don't think you have to be the old man on the porch to kind of be wondering. Hold on, college football sort of functioned one way for 100 whatever years, and now within the last couple of years, we've sort of decided that it needs to function a completely different way. Are we sure that's a good idea? Are we sure all this change is a change for the better? And are we sure that the uh, you know the apparatus can sort of hold together with all of this much change at any one time? I think that's a fair question to ask. I also think that college football is incredibly resilient from the standpoint that no matter how weird things to seem to get, college football always seems to continue to be pretty entertaining. And I think there's an aspect of, if you wonder why sports talk, and in a roundabout way, this is what this is, Stephen A. Smith is sports talk, uh, you know, Barstool, that's sport. Like, why is sports talk talk popular? I think it's because it's sort of fun to take a break from your real world problems and sort of sink your teeth into trying to solve some of these Interesting, complicated problems as it relates to sports. And how do you put a roster together in 2024, given the stuff that's out there right now? That's kind of an interesting problem to try to solve. And so I think that college football will survive all of this because the new stuff is interesting the same way the old stuff has kind of been. And I do genuinely trust Kirby Smart, perhaps more so than any coach, to be able to figure all of this out. But I think there is also an aspect of the stuff that will be figured out is is that what has worked before isn't going to work as well going forward and what's going to work better going forward is a little bit of a different model than what you've used in the past and as you've also heard me say before too clearly everybody wants to raise as much nil money as they possibly can and there is also a point in which you kind of bump up against your ceiling there on that And Georgia is a very resource program. There are a lot of people who obviously love UGA. They enjoy the prestige that being a respected supporter of Georgia provides them. And Georgia has a chance to go out there and raise a lot of NIL dollars. And by the way, we have a lot of very rich people that listen to our show certainly far richer than i am hey you know if you want to you know be a hero to a lot of georgia fans give big to the nil classic city collective things like that that's a great way to make yourself a hero for a lot of the people who are listening right now they would love nothing more than to see you step up and help georgia kind of you know stay in the sort of money whipping business here against everybody else who sort of wants to do that to them that's a really really important thing for those of you with the means to to be able to do but there's also a reality here that at a certain point in time Your ability to raise money has kind of, you sort of bumped up against the ceiling on that. And the next phase for NIL, and I do believe we're kind of entering into this phase a little bit. The next phase is how you choose to allocate that money. And this is the part where it gets sort of unpleasant. And I don't mean to say it like this, but, you know, the days of everybody at the University of Utah gets a two-year lease on a Ford F-150 or a Ram truck or whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know that the future of NIL is 85 guys all getting the same thing quite as much. In fact, to be able to pay for the sort of multi-million dollar deals we're led to believe the top players are, are, are you know, demanding and collecting right now, that may mean so-and-so gets nothing. And I hate that, right? Because if it was up to me, every Georgia player would get millions and millions of dollars because I think they all deserve it. They clearly have uh, made my life very enjoyable. I'd love to see them all collect financial windfall on that. But there's a certain aspect of this, which is, you've heard me say this before, sort of a Pareto's Law type thing, an eighty twenty principle. In order to give the, the the small number of true difference makers the money they deserve, so to speak, that means so-and-so probably gets nothing to help make sure that the other so-and-so gets everything that he should get. In fact, if you follow golf and like PGA Tour and why the PGA Tour has had such a weird business model and trying to compete with like Liv that's kind of come on the scene things like that, obviously Liv has, you know, uh, huge... You know outsized funding but the pga tour model is a lot of people tell you the top golfers have gotten too little over the course of years because the sort of bottom rung of the golfers have kind of gotten too much and i think that college football may be dealing with its own version of that in the nil space of well if you want to give quarterback edge rusher left tackle you know top wide receiver if you want to give them the sort of seven figure sum they probably could command in the open market that may mean some of the guys in your roster perhaps in the future don't get anything that's an unpleasant aspect of the nil conversation but i believe it is the next phase of this once you've raised all the money you can how do you choose to allocate it and there's not going to be enough to go around for everybody in that particular sense i believe that's where we're heading it's also pretty late here so let me quickly uh do a a royal caribbean mention here from the standpoint of hey if you want to have some fun you want to kind of put all the stuff behind nil and stuff like that behind you Obviously, Royal Caribbean gives you a great chance to do that in 2024. One of the things in particular I want you to keep in mind is uh, the great new debut of Utopia of the Seas coming up in July. It's right, another brand new Royal Caribbean ship sets sail in July. It's an Oasis-class ship. It means one of the largest categories of ships at sea, and it's exclusively coming out of Port Canaveral for those three- and four-night sailings. If you like long weekends, if you like short cruises that still give you a chance to experience the best that Royal Caribbean has to offer, including a stopover at Perfect Day Coco Cay, a brand new Oasis-class ship starting in July on Utopia of the seas. That's a great way to do it. Our friend Jessica Slater can tell you more about this. You can give her a call, 770 718 9147. That's 770 718 9147. You can also email her at jslaterdreamvacations.com. All right, we've gone very long. Let me just do one story here today. I'm going to save some of this other stuff for uh, later. So, what's interesting about the, the Ryola to Nebraska story is. It seems to coincide with another quarterback rumor that's also out there as well. I know that Julian Fleming, the former Ohio State wide receiver, along with former Buckeyes quarterback Kyle McCord, they both visited Nebraska this past weekend. And it's sort of thought right now, at least it has been conventional wisdom, that Nebraska the most likely landing spot for McCord. And no one has stepped up to say this is no longer true. We heard Pete Thamel, we gave this to you earlier in the show, that, hey, Nebraska was still offering the the scholarship to its current commit, an in-state prospect. So therefore, they're speaking in on that. There's no rumors or leaks as it relates to McCord. So this idea that Raiola is is leaving Georgia because he's upset because he thinks Carson Beck is coming back, well, if he's going to a place that is also going to have another experienced quarterback – that sort of stands to reason that might not be true. Now, McCord was no great shakes for Ohio State this year. Maybe Raiola feels like over the course of a couple of months he'll have a chance to beat him out. Perhaps he will. Certainly a better chance of doing that at Nebraska than he would have ever had of you know beating out a uh, a Carson back at Georgia. That simply was not going to happen, barring injury, and I'm not even quite so sure I'd favor Raiola over Gunnar Stockton in a future quarterback competition for what it's worth. But nonetheless, it's an interesting kind of – another sort of news item that's out there is the school that Raiola – is perhaps leaning towards and moving towards is a school that could also be taking a transfer quarterback this year, former Ohio State quarterback uh, um, Kyle McCord. So something to keep in mind there. We'll make that. Cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and we'll kind of save the other stories for later on, including, by the way, state championships continuing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, today. Shout out to uh, Prince Avenue Christian, obviously won in the uh, single A uh, Division One game yesterday, to Metal Jones I thought it had a very nice game though for Swainsboro, but ultimately Prince Avenue kind of got it done there. And I guess what Bowden won the uh, Division Two game there too. So shouts out there! Action continues today and tomorrow, and all of that, and we will uh, we'll, we'll cover that some perhaps tomorrow. Let me also give a shout out here as well for those of you coming into the Atlanta area to want to do some Christmas shopping here uh, this time of year. Perhaps you, you have friends who are not Georgia fans are coming in for the, uh, the the Peach Bowl something like that great chance to spend some holiday time here in the atlanta area is right here nestled right next to where our dog nation world headquarters studios located here in dunwoody in fact we're right between two great martin stations gives you easy access from the airport or to bucket or to downtown and a great way to enjoy a couple of thousand hotel rooms which means you can get some great savings a couple of hundred restaurants which means you can choose all kinds of cuisines and sort of you know Fine dining, uh, quick service, whatever you uh, would prefer there on that. Shopping galore, great, great shopping experiences all around to get those perfect holiday gifts for you and those that you love. So check out slash dog nation for more on that. That's slash dog nation for more on that. All right, and as we wrap up today with a golden shoe, I can promise you this golden shoe was a lot funnier when it was first sent to me than it perhaps is right now because it's making fun of Florida losing a player and when this came out (laughs) we weren't quite so aware that Georgia was also perhaps on the verge of losing a high-profile player Mad Dog sent it to me uh this is real by the way just in time for the holidays it's one of these uh, sporting goods stores and it's a uh, Florida jersey that's Trevor Etienne I don't know how many Florida fans are buying the Trevor Etienne jersey here right now so fun to make fun of the lousy stinking gators but admittedly a little less fun to do that uh when it's Georgia also on the verge of losing uh, an elite prospect right now when it comes to Dylan Riola. We will say this, though, that while Georgia may have some problems every now and then, nothing like those lousy, stinking Gators who've now gone 1130 days without beating Georgia. You love to see that. That is our Gator Hater updater. So we'll keep following this news. We'll talk to you about it again tomorrow. Thanks for being here. Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG.